We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. And welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats studio. If you're looking to go to a Chicago Bears game, maybe this week against the Minnesota Vikings, make sure you use code OVERTIME on the Vivid Seats app to save up to $100 for first-time customers only. I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach Pierce. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Aaron Lemming. The Chicago Bears are on a two-game win streak. They went into Washington, D.C., took care of business against a team they really should have beaten, the Washington Redskins. They did just that. I feel good about the win here on this Tuesday. Aaron, my man, how are you feeling after this win? See, I'm I'm actually happy, man. Like, Here's the thing, right? The, the Bears have had their last two games on the road, and they've won them both. And historically – bad venues for them to go in and play they hadn't beat the they hadn't beat the redskins uh in washington since 2001 2003 overall and then you look at the the broncos and obviously we know the history behind that so i understand they don't look great they didn't look great this time last year either but it's like i'm going to keep pointing out um and hopefully it comes to fruition at this point you're just looking to stack wins and at some point in time i think things will fall into place better than they are right now i mean obviously this is clearly the best game of the season that they played uh on monday night but i man it's like you pointed out you, you say you know they're on a two game win streak a 2 and one they're right in the mix for the division they're right in the mix for the playoffs i mean it's still obviously early in the season but at least Judging by my mentions and my timeline on Twitter, uh, you couldn't tell that the Bears are two and one and not like zero and three right now. Yeah, I, I feel good about that win because, like you said, back-to-back road wins um, to start the season. I'd love to have that Green Bay game back again. I think if we played them this week, I think the Bears would come out on top. But that's another story. That's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought the Bears looked the best that they did overall so far this season from start to finish. First drive for the offense was a three and out, but like they were kind of moving the football. The defense responded with a uh, pick six from Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and then the bull, and then the Bears. I'm sorry, not the Bulls. Uh, the Bears then kind of took control. Yeah, they kind of took control of the game, and uh, you know there was a there was a point in the second half where Washington had the ball, and and I was like, okay, maybe they can make this make this a game here, but. Bears defense rose to challenge, and they stepped up, and ultimately it was a big team win overall. Yeah, I I agree. I I think obviously you know you get out to a 28-3 lead, you know the, the Clinton Dix interception pick six, uh, which apparently wasn't good enough for some people named Peter Pukowski. Um, but we you know we don't we don't really need to get into that. I let's just put it this way: this is a kind of this is a kind of uh, acquisition that. Bears fans and the Bears were hoping that they were going to get out of uh, Clinton Dick so far. I mean, really, he's been – I mean, he hasn't been an issue. Like, not only has he not been an issue, but he's actually making plays. And, it. I mean, even going back to the Green Bay game, I mean, he had a few – he had a few plays there. And, I mean, he just – he – he looks like he's resurrecting his career. And I think that's kind of a big thing. But just kind of going back into the game itself, I mean, you set the tone like that. Um, and then, you know, you're able to cause all those turnovers. And that was kind of the, the thing that we talked about last week, you know, with this defense is 
I didn't see much regression. Really, the only thing that I saw from the defense that really hadn't been there was the turnovers. And here we are. They got five turnovers. All of a sudden, they've got six total, and they're right back on track. You know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, sometimes they just come in bunches, and that's exactly what happens. So it's just – it's one of those things, you know, kind of kind of looking at the uh, – Kind of looking at the offensive side of the ball, um, it was actually amazing to me. I'm kind of curious to get your perspective on this, but it was actually amazing to me. It's like I, I tweeted earlier on in the in the morning, uh, kind of as a follow up tweet with Jared Goff, because I I truly do believe that Jared Goff is probably the most overrated quarterback in the league, and it's not really. I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of a slam, but it's not like I'm saying Jared Goff sucks because he doesn't. But I think one of the main reasons that Jared Goff is so overrated within a lot of people is people will look at his numbers, they'll look at the success of the Rams while completely ignoring what Sean McVay does for Jared Goff, which is get him up to the line of scrimmage with you know 20, 25 seconds left on the play clock, get him up to the line, uh, get all your pre-snap stuff in, make some audibles, and basically allow Goff just to play and worry about post-snap. And... I make that tweet yesterday. I know a few people weren't overly happy with it. It is what it is. And then all of a sudden, the Bears come out last night, and they do the same exact thing. And I liked it. I really did. I, I mean, obviously, we'll get more into it. But I really, really liked the game plan from Nagy, the fact that they went no huddle so much, the fact that even when they went to a huddle, they were breaking out of the huddle quick. They still had you know, 15, 16, 17 seconds on the play clock. They could get up the line of scrimmage. Trubisky could diagnose things, hear what you know, Nagy was telling him to do. If he needed to audible, he could audible. He could do whatever. And I think it really helped him out. And the other thing that I thought was very interesting, too, about the passing offense in particular was there was a lot more crossing routes. There was more slants. There was a lot more high-percentage quick throws. And that's something that we really haven't seen over the first few weeks. And it kind of goes back to last year when – and I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but after the Week 3 game, the Bears were 2-1. and one, they were back in the division lead um, because I think both Minnesota and uh, Minnesota and Green Bay had both lost. But a lot of people were down on the team and said, "Well, they're two and one, but their offense is terrible. Trubisky looks terrible. Um, you know, their offensive line didn't really look that good." And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Matt Nagy comes out and you know, leading into Week Four and says, "Hey, we're gonna dial things back. We're gonna, you know, we're just gonna pull things back. We're gonna try to get Trubisky in this offense more comfortable. Everybody's struggling. We've overloaded them." Nagy said some pretty similar things this last week, right? And then all of a sudden, they come out, and it looked like they dialed things back. There was less responsibility for Trubisky. There was more, like I said, there was more short crossers. There was there was more high-percentage passes. And at least from a numbers perspective, uh, I, I thought that Trubisky's numbers were exactly the kind of building block. Not the finished product, but the kind of building block you want to see him take uh after you know the first two games of the season so from that perspective i i think there's at least something to build on there and at this point in time i mean you're two and one you have a chance to go three and one against the vikings this weekend which is a big game at home and i i don't know i just i'm i can't buy into the thought and i'm not overly high on this team yet but i can't buy into the thought that they're just a disaster waiting to happen and they're gonna end up finishing with seven or eight wins am i wrong on that i mean i i Agree. I liked what they did with their offense last night, um, coming out with the tempo and and what Nagy did, similar to what um, McVeigh does with Goff. I think Trubisky looked better. I, I see a lot of people on Twitter are freaking out like he did not have a good game. Um, yeah, I mean he missed a few throws, but it wasn't like how he was in Week One or Week Two. But you know, to that point, if they have to kind of dial back this offense more and kind of scheme it game by game i think they're gonna be in trouble i i it's hard to say because i think you know Nagy has to find a medium in between letting trubisky play and also possibly dialing it back a little bit like if you look i mean what they do against denver i mean the game plan was mitchell trubisky be a game manager i'm not saying they open it up completely this week um against the redskins however the playbook was open a little more where, you know, they had Trubisky on the run. You saw the, the two throws. I thought his two best throws came on the run. The one to Taylor Gabriel, which people say that was a bad throw. I have no clue how you think that could be a bad throw. You talking um, about the touchdown? The, the yeah, 36 the touchdown. Yard, that was not a bad throw at all. No, was, that was about as perfect shocking. as you could possibly get. Exactly. And it's so shocking when I saw people say, oh, it was a bad throw on Twitter. Um and then the other throw that he had, he was rolling out to his left. I, I can't remember what quarter it was. might have been the second or third. He rolled out, read the defense, and then boom, hit Allen Robinson over the middle wide open. So, I mean, I like 
what he did last night. I liked what Nagy had for him um, in the playbook. The one worry I do have right now, um, and in, in fact, it's not with Trubisky, it's still the run game struggled early on. And granted, you were missing Bobby Massey at right tackle, but I mean, am I? Is it just me, or has the switch with James Daniels and Cody Whitehair just not gone to plan at all? I think they both look really bad out there after three games. Well, I mean, if we're being honest, yeah, I mean, the 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 switch with them has not looked good. Kyle Long is playing terrible football. I don't really and, know. How and they're making, they're, dude, they're committing like, they're. I think they're averaging two two to three penalties a game on that offensive line through three weeks, yeah, which is bad. That, yeah. Not good. And Charles Leno's played bad. I mean, Bobby Massey hadn't played that well. You know what's funny is this is actually, I mean, if if we're being honest, I mean, Cornelius Lucas was probably the one guy, as much yes. crap as I have given that, that roster move, I mean, he was the one guy that I didn't really notice last night. And yeah, usually I'm, when you're not noticing offensive linemen, that's a good sign. Yeah, because when, you know, when Bobby Massey went out, I think you and I had the same thought that we pray to God it's Rashad Coward over Cornelius Lucas. But, I mean, looking back at that game, I haven't had really a chance to look at the tape, but Lucas didn't really stand out as anything bad last night, and he didn't really stand out as anything good. I didn't see you know, anything that made me be like, oh, wow, he can really lock down the spot, but he wasn't bad. Instead, the offensive line, the rest of the guys, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I've never played offensive line. I don't know if a switch like that impacts the entire line um, or if it's just those two guys and they're just kind of out of sync right now, but – I'm really curious to see if, you know, down the line if there is struggles. Because you can't – I don't think you can make the switch back. Once you're going, you know, you're in week 10, 11, 12, I think it's way too late to kind of make the switch back unless you really see, okay, this is the biggest problem. Um, Maybe it isn't the biggest problem. Maybe they just need a couple weeks to get into the swing of things. But, I mean, that offensive line really struggled. And through the first three quarters, the Bears were averaging 2.5 yards a carry, and it was not good. At all. And I think Montgomery was somewhere he had like five or 16 yards. Until that final drive, though. That final drive, they put it away. They took over five minutes of the clock, 10 plays, 58 yards. And 50 of those yards were on the ground. And Montgomery had most of them. He had the big 25-yard run. So we'll see. Uh, We'll talk a little more, actually, about that game um, after this first break. Um, We're going to get into our sponsor. We'll talk a little bit about the game, and then after that, we'll um, have an interview with uh, Ryan Grapenstein of the Grapes and Gorak podcast. He covers the Vikings. Um, We actually had um, the podcast on before, but it was his other partner, uh, Darrell, who was on uh, over the summer. So we'll get a little insight this time um, from Ryan. But we'll be right back after a break. We'll break down the rest of the Bears' win over the Redskins. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. We are breaking down the Bears' big Week 3 win over the uh, Washington Redskins on the road in our nation's capital. All-around team win. The defense dominated. The offense looked better. Special teams actually had a decent night as well, despite Eddie Pinero being um, hurt and limping on his uh, both field goal attempts, which was just odd to see. But yeah, Aaron, you know, the Bears are keeping pace in the NFC North. They're now 2-1. and one. They're behind uh, the Detroit Lions, who are 2-0-1, oh, and, and the Green Bay Packers, who are 3-0. and oh. That was a big win last night because now the Bears keep pace, and it looks like the NFC North is probably going to come down to the wire. Well, I think at least as of right now, I mean, the NFC North is clearly the best division of football, even just, you know, based on records, but just in general, because I think I think you, you have a situation where, as much as I hate to say it, I mean, the the Packers are Packers are a pretty good team right now. Um, I, I, I think the big thing is is their offense really isn't much different, and they really haven't been doing a ton. But their defense is so much better, man. Like the the, the, the edge rushers that they added were were have paid off very well. Preston Smith has been very impressive. Same thing with uh, Zadarius Smith, obviously. They kind of remade that secondary a little bit. So far, Kevin King's been healthy. I mean, it, it's it's three games through the season, so we'll have to see. I mean, they are three and zero. We'll see what they do uh, Thursday night against Atlanta. But, I mean, Minnesota, 
I, I don't know. Minnesota is one of those teams where I think again, um, until Kirk Cousins proves it to me, I'm not buying it. And then with with Detroit, it's like they could very easily be 0 and 3 right now, and they could very easily be 3 and 0. They're one of those teams where it feels like you know they're 2 2 0 and 1 right now. They have the tie against Arizona where they should have won that game, but. If they feel like one of those teams where eventually things are going to even out, but I think they're clearly better than they were last year, and and obviously that's going to make the division a little harder because the Bears were five and one against the NFC North last year. They swept obviously the Lions and the and the Vikings and and went one and one against the Packers, and now it's it's just it's just different. I mean, it's just that every team got better. Obviously, we'll see injuries affect a lot. Whether that's going to affect the Bears, whether that's going to affect Vikings, Packers, Lions, we don't know yet, but I agree. I, I think that the, the NFC North is definitely tougher um, this year. I mean, still, if you're going to win a division, then usually you want to uh, you know, win within your own division. So I still think 4-2 and two needs to be the mark, whether that's sweeping Minnesota or whether that's sweeping uh, the Lions uh, or both and losing both to the Packers. Hopefully that's not the case. But, you know, either way, I mean, if you can get to 4-2, and two, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape. And, and again, we're going to start seeing things even out because – the Bears and the Packers are the only ones who play within the division so far. So it's easy to look at the standings and say, okay, the Packers are three and zero, the Lions are two zero and one, and then the, you know the Vikings and the Bears are both two and one. But then you look at it, and it's like the second divisional matchup of the entire season is going to be the Bears and the Vikings. So the Bears are going to be the only team within the division that have two division games uh, within the first four weeks of the season. But then following that, then the the oh no, no, I take that back. I'm I, sitting here talking out of my yeah so i i forgot the vikings i forgot the vikings and packers have already played i'm an idiot but uh then then you start seeing more divisional matchups obviously the bears and the vikings this next weekend and then you have uh the 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 packers and lions as well so i guess my whole entire point is yes i think the division is much stronger um but i also think that we're going to start seeing some separation at least from the contenders and the pretty and the pretenders uh over the next probably four or five weeks just because they'll start playing each other and again, you know, it's kind of hard to be, you know, undefeated or, you know, two and one, you know, with one loss when you start playing divisional opponents. I mean, at some point in time, there's going to be teams that sink and there's going to be teams that rise. So it just it's just kind of a matter of time. It's closer than I think we all figured it would be at this point. It's not the same thing as last year, but it's only three games through the season. Yeah, and one thing you did say there in that statement was the injuries. And last season, the Bears were pretty fortunate to avoid the big injury bug. They did have Bryce Callahan go down for um, the majority of the games at the end of the season, and Nate Jackson missed a bunch of games, including the playoff game. But this year, so far, it looks like the injury bug is biting the Bears. Bilal Nichols has a broken hand. He was out for Week 3 against the Redskins. I don't know if he's going to play against the Vikings, and Matt Nagy left the possibility open for him to have kind of a club on his hand, similar to what Leonard Floyd did um, last season with his hand injury. But then, you know, going into Monday's game, the we saw that Bobby Massey was a surprise inactive dealing with um, vertigo. Then during the game, you know, Akeem Hicks left the game and didn't return with a um, knee injury. We saw him in a walking boat heading to the sideline. Now, Nagy doesn't think it's going to be serious and thinks it was more of just kind of it was bothering him, it was sore, and we kind of just got to get him out and not take any chances. Still, it's something to kind of monitor. And the other one, if I want to get your thoughts on this, the other one, Eddie Pinero. Because like I mentioned before, when you saw him come out there with that first kick, man, he was limping pretty bad, and it went right, wide right. Granted, he didn't miss by a lot, but I definitely think that injury impacted that kick. Now, he did make another one from about 35 um later in the game to kind of all but seal it for the Bears. So that's not an injury. Just when you think the Bears found a kicker, now Panero's dealing with the swellness in his knee. And I think Nagy did say today that they're going to kind of keep him away from kickoffs to kind of help him recover on that injury. But still, you I mean, if it comes down to a Sunday when you need a 50-yard field goal, a 48-yard field goal, it might be a little hard to trust Eddie Panero going out there with the game on the line. I mean, am I crazy for thinking that? I don't think you are. I, I mean, it's it's one of those. I mean, it was. I think it was gutsy um, for Pinero to go out and and even kick. Because I mean, we all saw him. We, we we saw him come out on the field. We saw him after his kicks, and he's hopping around on one leg. It's it's mind blowing to me. How do you pinch a nerve in your knee? I didn't even think that was possible. Like I, 
That's just weird yeah, to me. I mean, it's just in, it's in just, the weight room too. He did it in the weight room. Apparently. Yeah, it's just crap luck. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's at least from what uh, Nagy said, it sounds like there's no real concern of him furthering the injury, and there's no real concern that this is going to be like a you know what happened with his groin last year. So I don't think this is going to be a situation where it's going to linger. It's going to end up putting him on IR, and I think that's kind of like you pointed out with the whole kickoff thing, right? You know, you. You keep him away from kickoffs, which is the most violent thing that you can do with your leg uh, as a kicker or, or a punter or whatever. Um, so you keep him away from that. You let it heal, and you got to hope over the next few weeks because basically you got Minnesota, you got Oakland, and then you have a bye week. So you just kind of have to hope again. And this kind of going back to the, the the entire theme of what I've been saying so far with the Bears is you just kind of survive. That's really what you got to do. Just survive until the bye week. Get to the bye week and figure things out from there. And I think that's kind of what they're what they're hoping. Now, I am kind of curious because obviously I think most of us watched the game last night. Um, we saw Keem Hicks walking back uh, to the locker room. I thought that was a knee brace on his leg. And some people were saying that it was like an air cast or some sort of brace on like his ankle. I think his knee brace was just around his ankle and he was walking back and just didn't really care at that point. The other thing that I wanted to point out too, which I thought was pretty hilarious, was Akeem Hicks's tweet uh, back to Brad Biggs after Biggs had posted a picture of him, uh, you know, filming him behind him walking to the bus. And I didn't really think Hicks's limp was that bad. I mean, it's one of those things where it sounds like this has been something that's kind of been bothering him. And if I remember right, I think his knee was bothering him a little bit last year, too. I mean, he is almost 30, and I mean, he's a big dude, very physical guy. I mean, this is just kind of the wear and tear uh, that you start seeing. So, I mean, the Bears have to really hope that he's at least good to go part-time on Sunday because he's a big part of the run defense. I mean, so is Eddie Goldman, but he's a very big part I mean, we just had to go back last year and watch that Sunday night game again, uh, you know, in Chicago and how dominant he was. I think he had was a four or five tackles for loss and all of those went against Dalvin Cook. Yeah, against the Vikings. Yeah, he was pretty big in that game. Um, I think he was mic'd up, too, because I think they were in like the orange jerseys. Um, but, yeah, I so I saw a brace. You might have been right where it might have been a knee brace and he was kind of, um, you know, pulling it down, like you said. I don't know. That's kind of odd to do, though. You think you'd keep the brace on? I don't know. It's just—it's—it's it's definitely something to monitor. I think he'll play. I think he'll be okay. Um, I don't think he'll practice, and if he does, he'll definitely be limited all week. He probably won't go Friday during the uh, the indoor session when they're in the Walter Payton um, Center. Is usually a lot of veterans kind of get maintenance days that day, including like Kyle Long, we've seen over the years. But yeah, Hicks did have that knee injury last year that did bother him um, towards the end of the year. So. Yeah, without Hicks, I mean, you're looking. You won't have Nichols, likely. Won't if you don't have Hicks, you're down to Roy Robertson, Harris. You're down to Eddie Goldman. You're down to Nick Williams and Abdullah Anderson, unless you bring in maybe a veteran off the street to kind of come in to give you some depth. But I know I thought for the most part the Bears' defensive line still played fine. Now when Hicks was out of the game, I think Washington did exploit the middle just a tad with Chris Thompson. I, for whatever reason, Adrian Peterson could not get going at all, and that's big credit to the Bears. Defensive line, I know Adrian Peterson's kind of a shell of himself, but they did an, a fantastic job on him um, on Monday night. But, yeah, I mean, when you have someone like Delvin Cook coming in, a guy who's arguably been one of the best running backs in the league so far this season, you know, if you're not fully healthy up front and the, and the Vikings can find a way to exploit that, I mean, it, it, it could go against the Bears on Sunday. It definitely could. Um, and I think it is key to point out that um, – Nick Williams, man, he's been playing some good football the first few weeks of the season. He's, he's got two yep. sacks. He's got sacks in back-to-back weeks. And at least this last week, and I want to say the week before, too, he had more snaps than Roy Robertson-Harris. So clearly they value his presence um, you know, on the interior. And, and again, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things that they're just going to have to adjust, right? You know, you're instead of playing – I mean, they really don't play much base anyway, but instead of playing even – even less base than they do right now. They're just going to have to go to more nickel looks. Uh, and and that's the one thing I will say that Chuck Pagano has done a very good job of so far. Well, he's done a good job of a lot of things. I mean, they still have an elite defense. But 
one of the nice things that I've seen from him so far is his rotation with on the within the defensive line as a whole. And I mean, I'm not talking just the not just, you know, the defensive line, the interior guys, but I'm talking edge rushers too. I mean, I've seen Aaron Lynch out on the field a decent amount, Isaiah Irving out on the field a decent amount. I mean, we've seen Nick Williams, we've seen Roy Robertson Harris, even when Akeem Hicks was healthy, the same thing with Bilal Nichols. I mean, they have been consistently filtering in guys and trying to keep guys healthy. And that's kind of something that even going back to last year and the year prior that I really wanted to see Vic Fangio do more of, and that was rotate uh, defensive linemen. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to put Akeem Hicks's, you know, hurt knee on him right now by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that as some of these guys start getting older, the bears have a pretty young team, but I mean, Akeem Hicks is again, he's, he's about to hit 30. I mean, it's just, that's just the reality of it. And he's, he's had some hard miles the last few years cause he's played so much. And that's why I think having the rotational depth that they have and consistently rotating these guys and keeping them fresh, because again, we're not just looking at, we shouldn't be looking at 16 games. If we're bears fans, we should not be looking at 16 games. We should be looking at 16 games of regular season plus the playoffs. However long that lasts, I don't know. But you got to be pre- preparing for at least one other game, you know, hopefully three or four. But it's not just a 16-game season anymore. So you got to be able to keep these guys healthy. you got to be able to keep these guys as fresh as possible. And, again, you know, rotating on the defensive line and having guys like Nick Williams, who have bounced around quite a bit, who seems pretty beloved in the locker room. I mean, Akeem Hicks has said himself, I mean, that's one of his it's one of his good friends and somebody that he he looks up to as a person and those are the kind of players that it's really nice to see emerge. I mean, they're probably not long-term pieces and you know, he may be around another few years, uh, you know, close to vet minimum or whatever, but it's nice to see quality depth uh, surfacing even when guys go down and that's that's the that's what makes good teams good teams, and that's what makes good teams playoff teams is when they have this kind of depth where they can overcome injuries. I mean, you pointed it out Bryce Callahan last year when he went down. Uh, you know, the same thing with Eddie Jackson to a certain extent. I mean, there was guys that went down, and there was other guys that stepped in. And, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you're going to have to have when you're talking about injuries and health as you move down the season because it's just not realistic to have all 22 starters stay healthy an entire year. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Agreed. Yeah, Nick Williams did have a nice game. That's like you said, two straight games with um, sacks. And, and back to that depth. I mean, did you notice DeAndre Houston Carson was on the field with uh, Haha Clinton Dix? His interception return, the pick six. Unless he ran from off the sideline, he was in for that celebration. I think he was in the game on that snap. But I mean, I'm you're right. I I like what Pagano's doing. They're they're shuffling around. They're getting some guys in, giving some breathers. They're still doing that rotation with the outside linebackers, Aaron Lynch and Isaiah Irving. Deion Bush is still getting some run out there at safety. Makes him in to kind of give Eddie Jackson and Ha-Ha Clinton Dix a break um, during the game. So we'll have to see how that kind of plays out because I do agree with your point. You're going to have to start some of these veteran guys, maybe start limiting some of the reps. You know, it'd be nice if – you know, we had more games like the Bills and the and the Buccaneers last season where you're blowing teams out and some of these guys could rest for almost all of, if not, you know, most of the third quarter or most of the second half out there. Uh, let's actually transition now into week four. The Bears will be hosting the Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field, a big NFC North divisional showdown. It is the 320 game. It'll be on CBS this week. Um, national audience, we're going to get the number one crew, Nance, Romo. Depending on Romo's golf availability, if he advances in a golf tournament, apparently Boomer's going to get the game um, with Nance. But this is a big NFC North showdown. The winner's going to keep pace. Uh, hopefully Green Bay loses on Thursday to Philadelphia. The Lions have a very tough Chiefs team coming into uh, Ford Field. So this could be a chance for one of these two teams to maybe hold a share of first place after the first four weeks. And for the Bears... You're going into London after the Vikings game. You're going to be leaving a little early to get to London, and then you have that game, and then you're by, and you're going to be facing a Saints team who I thought looked pretty good against the Seahawks, uh, just kind of just letting Teddy Bridgewater do the little things and letting Alvin Kamara take over. So this is this is kind of a big game, and, and like you like to say, Aaron, you know this is another game where you can get for playoff implications. You'll get a division win. You can get an uh, NFC conference win there. So this will be huge, but. We're going to preview that. Um, we actually had a special guest on to help us um, preview. We had Ryan Grappentine of the Grapes and Gorak podcast. We talked to them over the summer, their training camp. He joined us to uh, give us some insight on the Vikings. 
And now welcoming in here on the Bear Report podcast, we have a special guest who covers the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, please welcome in Ryan Groppentine of the Grapes and Gorak podcast. Ryan, thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, thanks for having me today, guys. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so let's kind of get into it. You know, the Bears and Vikings are set for a, a NFC North showdown on Sunday. Both teams 2-1, and one, both teams looking at the Packers, and as shocking as I have to say this, the unbeaten Detroit Lions, which is really weird to say this late in the season, even oh, though it is three weeks. Say. Right, right? They do have the tie, though. I feel like ties should count as two losses. but Yeah, that, especially against the Cardinals. Yeah. Especially against the Cardinals, yes. And when you had, what, a 20-point lead in the third quarter, too. So, um, yeah, so Bears-Vikings at Soldier Field. Um, late afternoon start, actually, on the lakefront, so... We have you here to give us some insight on the Vikings. How have the first three games gone for uh, Mike Zimmer and his team? Uh, they've gone really well uh, for the most part. We had two great starts going against the Falcons and this last weekend against the Raiders. Defense came out hot, forced a couple turnovers, which is nice to see. Uh, we didn't see a lot of that last year. And had the little hiccup against the Packers. You know, they scored... 21 points in the first 18 minutes or something like that but after that the defense showed up and shut them down and i don't know uh really looking forward to the battle this weekend against chicago i mean this is this is a big one for not only us but you guys as well um tough to play in soldier field all the time well and it's and it's interesting because i've every year and i don't know why i do this to myself but every year i'm always like I, if the bears aren't playing then i'm watching an nfc north game of some some kind and i feel like i pretty much have seen every vikings game every packers game and even every lions game which seems kind of weird to say just because i guess they're still relevant right now but the one thing that I've noticed that has been a big factor this year, because, I mean, looking at Kirk Cousins' numbers, I mean, at least numbers-wise, and I'm not saying he hasn't been good. I'm just saying at least numbers-wise, he really hasn't been anything impressive. But the one thing that I've really noticed that seems to be a game-changer so far this year for Minnesota is the run game and Dalvin Cook. So I'm kind of interested to hear your breakdown of the run game and just how much it's changed this team's offensive success so far this season. Well, you know, it all started – kind of towards the end of last year when we fired John DeFilippo uh, and installed Kevin Stefanski as our offensive coordinator. And then this offseason, you know, we brought in Gary Kubiak, so a lot more of a, an outside zone scheme. And that seems to really help Delvin Cook thrive. He, you know, he's he's able to use his blockers. The Vikings offensive line isn't the greatest, but we've got a couple new faces and they get upfield. Uh, so Delvin Cook's able to make plays. And we also have the rookie Alexander Madison and he sort of spells Delvin Cook from time to time and I mean he's really good he's super impressive I didn't know much about him coming out of college but if Delvin Cook were to miss a game or two it doesn't seem like it'd be that big of a deal because he just makes that big of an impact off the bench. It seems like, you know, over the last couple of years, one of the biggest struggles for the Minnesota Vikings has been their offensive line. For whatever reason, they can't protect Kirk Cousins last season. Uh, they kind of struggled a little bit so far this season for what I've seen, but they've looked a little better. Um, they, you know, spent some draft picks on the offensive line. How have they played through these first three games in your eyes? The, the offensive line's uh, ability to run block this year is, I mean – I'm more than impressed with it, but uh, the pass blocking still sort of leaves a lot to be desired. You know, Reef's another year older, uh, seems to be at a, like half a step slower, seems to be getting beat a lot. Uh, Josh Klein leaves a little bit to be desired. He actually left last week's game with a concussion, so that instills Dakota Dozier, who started for Pat Elfline at guard uh, against the Packers. And so there's still kind of a, you know, rotation going on here. And it's it, I'd like to see a lot more. It was it was kind of, uh, you know, we, well, we drafted Garrett Bradbury and I his pass blocking isn't up to par either. So, you know, it's going to be scary facing the Bears front seven. Kind of curious to get your perspective, uh, especially within the the passing game, because it really, I mean, last year, uh, I mean, it was it was a big factor, and 
I think part of that was probably part of the reason that they kind of faltered down the stretch a little bit. Um, but I mean, so far, like I pointed out, I mean, Kirk Cousins uh, has very similar numbers. And again, I'm not saying that the the play itself has been, uh, you know, similar to Trubisky, but they have similar numbers. And obviously, Bears fans know how Trubisky's played so far this year. And obviously, I, I think Cousins has played better than that. But what do you think about the overall run attack? I mean, like I said, it's been working out well. I think Dalvin Cook has been excellent as an outside zone runner. I mean, I've been highly impressed anytime I've seen the guy run the ball. But I'm kind of curious because the more that the season progresses, obviously we'll get to the defense here in a little bit, but the more that the season progresses, at some point you're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. So are you concerned at all with their overall approach so far offensively, or do you think this is just kind of they're rolling with what they've, what, what's working for them right now? Or where do you see Kirk Cousins over the next few weeks? Well, you know, when you go to go get up to such a hot start against the Falcons and the Raiders, I mean, we were up three scores before you knew it. So, we haven't really had to use Kirk Cousins very much. And when we did against the Packers, I mean, he was, what, like 14 of 32, couple interceptions. You could tell he was trying to force the ball. And it it's tough to it's tough to fathom that we might have to rely on Kirk Cousins' arms arm at one point or another. You know, all of a sudden you get into a game against Kansas City. We've got week nine, I believe. And all of a sudden, you might not be able to run the ball as much because you're going to have to play catch up with Patrick Mahomes and other top quarterbacks. And Kirk Cousins has arm talent, but I don't know. He left a couple plays out on the field against the Packers. So, I mean, a lot of the Vikings fan base hates him. Half of them loves him still. I'm still on the fence. I he's got he's got to win a big big game and no better than this weekend against the Bears in in Soldier Field. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, our fan base has some frustrations with Mitchell Trubisky, and I feel like it's it's kind of the same with Kirk Cousins just because of how much money you guys paid him. And last season, to me, was a disappointment for the Vikings. I thought, you know, Cousins coming in, they should have been a lot better last season. Um, they weren't, but so far this year, the Vikings' two wins have come at home. Uh, their one loss was on the road against Green Bay, and they, and they kind of got off to a slow start, as you mentioned, Green Bay had the 21 points right away. Um, and I think, you know, last year when, when Minnesota came in for that big Sunday night game in Chicago, they also started off slow and it kind of burned them. How important is it going to be and what can the Vikings do to ensure that they don't start off slow this Sunday against the Bears at Soldier Field? Uh, I I think it's establishing the run game and using Delvin Cook, uh, you know, as efficiently as possible. Um we like to run a lot of play action bootlegs with Kirk and that, and those, those seem to be our bread and butter plays when we're able to run the ball. So if, if we can get Delvin cook going and then get the play action game going and go up a score or two that that'll let the defense settle in. Mike Samuel will be able to do what he likes to do on defense and things should all fall into place. But you know, it's, it's easy to say harder to do, especially in soldier field on the road. Yeah, and it's, I mean, just going back and kind of looking at the the recent history of the Vikings and the Bears, it seems like it's almost it's almost a given every year that it's like the Bears went at home and then the Vikings went at home. You know, it's just it's just what it's been. I mean, it's obviously hasn't been the same way with the Bears and the and the Packers or you know some of these other divisional matchups. So I mean, it's 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 clearly a big game for both teams. I mean, they're both sitting at two and one. Uh, you know, this is I think the first divisional game for Minnesota. This will be the second for the Bears. I mean, the Bears really can't afford to start off 0-2 within the division. But I'm kind of curious to get your overall X factor uh, for the game defensively for the for the Vikings. I mean, the, the Bears have not consistently run the ball. Uh, I mean, that's putting it lightly. And frankly, they really haven't consistently moved the ball or scored. I mean, they did better uh, against Washington. I mean, that's that's definitely a way to put it. Uh, but there's still a lot to be desired there. But I'm kind of curious to get your perspective and, and, and what the X factor is going to be defensively uh, for the Vikings against the Bears offense. I think it's getting in Mitch Trubisky's head, you know, uh, with our pass rushing. Everson Griffin is just like the Everson of old. Uh, he seems to be really fresh this year, really rejuvenated. And you've got Daniel Hunter on the other side. He's had a sack in every game. Uh, so I think if we can, if we can 
contain Mitch Trubisky and not let him roll out, use his feet like he did last year against us. Because he seems to throw a lot better when he's on the run rather than in the pocket. So if we can get to him quick and not let any of those uh, short speed shifty receivers that you guys get open, uh, I, I, I really like our chances. I'll kind of flip it there, kind of similar to Aaron's question. But what do you think in your eyes – what are going to be the weaknesses that the Bears should probably target, um, whether it is offense or defense, um, on the Vikings for the Bears to win this week? Oh, come with extra rushers, man. I mean, <laughs> like that. That's what I. That's what I say. I mean, our our pass blocking isn't the greatest, and uh, Kirk Cousins uh, he doesn't he doesn't do very well under pressure. So I mean, and if you if you're able to do that combined with containing the bootleg and having your guys be really disciplined and staying at home when need be. I mean, that's, that's going to crumble our entire game plan. It definitely makes sense. I, I think it's going to be one of those games where I, I think it's, it's going to be close. I, I think it's going to be a lot like that. Uh, the Sunday night football matchup that they had the first meeting last year at home, you know, and, and it's just, it seems like, the Bears and the Vikings, for whatever reason, just always have those kind of games at some point during the season, no matter how bad or how good either team is. And it, at least for me, um, and it's not because it's weird. I actually don't have anything against Vikings at all. Maybe it's because the close family, friends with Vikings fans growing up. So, I mean, I've, I was I was there watching you know the Dante Culpepper days with uh, Chris Carter and Randy Get Moss. Get your roll and, on. Yeah, exactly, man. It was and it was a lot of fun, you know, but. It, it for me, it's always been a little bit more enjoyable uh, to watch the Bears and the Vikings. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the Packers have just beat the crap out of the Bears all these years. Uh, but I think it's gonna be a fun game. I really do. I, I mean, like I said, I think it's big for both teams. Um, I think it's it. And maybe this is just you know a little bit of bias on my part, but I think it's a little bigger for the Bears because, like I said, they they're already one and one within the conference. Uh, they're zero and one within the division. It, it's just one of those games where I, I think that that they have to kind of keep going. But either way, it's it, I don't know, and I, I know people aren't going to like me saying this, but it, it feels like both teams are already somewhat chasing the Packers. Obviously, it's still early, you know, but the Packers seem to have consistently looked like the best team so far. So I'm hoping for a good game this weekend. It's a little bit of a short week for the Bears. Uh, that's all I've got for you. Uh, I don't know if Zach has anything else for you, but it's great stuff. I'm really glad you uh, were able to come on with us. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I It is nice that the uh, Packers play Thursday night against the Eagles. Uh, so I will say that it's going to be nice having at least one of those teams lose. Hopefully it's the Packers, but um, I, I do agree. It does seem like we're chasing the Packers already, and I'm I'm not a big fan of it just as much as you guys aren't. We're, we're with you. We're going to be rooting for the Eagles as well on Thursday night. Uh, my last thing for you before we, uh, before we end the uh, interview, can you give us a prediction and maybe a player to watch for uh, Sunday's game? Uh, prediction? I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go twenty to seventeen Vikings. It's gonna be close. Uh, probably right up until the end. I mean, pr- probably down to the last possession. And player to watch. Said it multiple times. Delvin Cook. But if you're looking for maybe maybe someone else, look for. I I'm looking for Stephon Diggs to kind of have a big game. He hasn't really had that game this year. He had one long touchdown against the Packers. But if you want one player who hasn't really shown up this year, Stephon Diggs is your guy to watch. Awesome, awesome. We'll see how it plays out. Um, let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter at. Uh, you can follow me at Grapes07 on Twitter. You can follow us as a podcast at Grapes and Gorak. Um, and then if you're looking to follow Gorak, who you heard previously this uh, preseason, you can follow him at da- Darren underscore Lindell. Perfect, man. Thanks again. We'll have to do it uh, another time, hopefully uh, week 17, when the uh, maybe there'll be a game that uh, is has a playoff uh, playoff implications on it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good luck, guys. I mean, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it should be. Thanks again, man. Talk to you later. Yep, see ya. Welcome into the Bear Report Podcast. That was our interview with Ryan Krapentine of the Graves and Gorak Podcast. 
giving you some insight on the Bears' upcoming opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, in week four for an NFC North showdown. Aaron, I'm not confident about this game, but I'm also not, like, I'm kind of 50-50. I don't think, you know, like, just because I'm not confident doesn't mean I think the Bears are going to lose. I think it's actually going to be a really good game, and I think it's going to be a tough-fought game. And like Ryan said, I think it come down to the end, um, maybe on a final play or final possession of this game. How are you kind of feeling? What are your initial thoughts on this game? I'm kind of the same as you. Uh, I think the Bears are going to win just because, again, um, you know, the history 15-4 and four over their last 19 games going back to 2000 um, with the Bears at home against the Vikings. Kirk Cousins is 4-26 and 26 against uh, teams with a winning record in his career. I mean, it, it, it would defy a lot for the Vikings to win. Um, but again, I mean, the Bears aren't firing on all cylinders. Really, the Vikings aren't firing on all cylinders. I mean, them blowing out the the Raiders is about as uh, you know is important as the Bears blowing out the the Redskins. You know, it doesn't mean anything. You know, so it's but again, it's a big game. So I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I think the line for this game, the Bears are uh, favored by two and a half, and I think you know that's right about right. I mean, that's pretty much a pretty much a toss up when you look at because usually the home team gets three points. So I mean, they're thinking the Vikings by half a point, I could see an argument either way for that. So I think it's going to be a close game. And I think a lot of it for the bears is going to come down to health. I think that Akeem Hicks being healthy is going to be big. And it seems like Taylor Gabriel being healthy as well as, or, you know, not that hopefully he can get back on a concussion protocol by that point. I think that would be big as well. So I, I don't know. It's one of those games. Like I'm not, again, like you said, not worried, uh, not super confident, just kind of like, Okay, I think the Bears are going to win, but I kind of see things going either way. And, I mean, it, it just feels like one of those games where we kind of had a reprieve last week from the first two weeks where it was kind of, you know, things kind of went down to the wire. And, you know, and then we got that break last week. or Well, I guess Monday, actually. I mean, it was yesterday. And, you know, we, we get that, that emotional break. And it feels like it's kind of setting one up where this, this game on Sunday is just going to be a nail-biter. But ultimately, the Bears need to win. And if they do win... There's a pretty dang good chance they're going to be four and one going to the bye, and not only is that good, but that's actually better than where they were last year uh, through five games. So it's this is big. This is this is a big game for both teams, but I think again, I think it's a little bigger for the Bears. Uh, I think you start. You gave your prediction first last week, so I'll, I'll go ahead and go first this week. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's a big game. I think the Bears are going to win. I like how they played at home against the Vikings over the last couple of years. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be 24, 23 bears. Um, I think the bears will hold off a Vikings drive at the end. Maybe it'll be a missed field goal by the Vikings or the bears defense. will just step it up. Um, as for my X factor in this game or something to watch, um, I'm going to look at the bears running game again, because we know what Delvin cook can do on the other side of the field for the Vikings, but I think the bears really need to get their run game going again. I think David Montgomery needs to get the ball more. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with, you know, with these jet sweeps with uh, Cordero Patterson, Tariq Cohen, even Taylor Gabriel on them. We've seen those mixed in the last two weeks. Um, and then, you know, on your short yard situations, I like to see David Montgomery be in the game over someone like Tariq Cohen and, and Patterson as more of the gadget type backs. Yeah, so I'm going to go 17-14 uh, Bears. Uh, I think it's going to be – I don't think it will come down to like a last-second field goal. I, I think the Bears are probably going to have like, you know, some sort of lead. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have a feel for this game at all. I just somehow I think it's going to be 17-14. I don't think it's going to come down to like a last-minute field goal or something like that. Uh, my X factor, I mean, is – you know, uncreative as it sounds, it's kind of like uh, like Ryan pointed out. Um, I'm going with the Bears' defense against Alvin Cook. I think that's a huge key because, frankly, when you watch the the Vikings' offense, the only thing that really scares me about the Vikings' offense so far this year has been that run game. Dalvin Cook has been deadly as an outside zone runner. Uh, Alexander Madison has also looked pretty dang good as well. But I think if the Bears do what they did against uh, what they did against Denver in terms of you shut down the run game early and you force them to pass the ball. I think the difference is is Kirk Cousins is not as capable of getting the ball out as quick and he's more prone to turnovers and that's I think that's a big thing. He's got two interceptions on the year. I think he's got four total fumbles. Uh, the guy simply doesn't play good against good teams and that's really what this comes down to. So I think if you shut down the run game. 
it's a lot like last year where you shut down the run game and Kirk Cousins has to throw the ball. You're probably going to get some interceptions out of it, and you're probably going to allow him to destroy the Vikings on his own. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't really have a feel one way or another. Maybe it's just because we're recording this podcast the day after the Bears won. But I think it's also because divisional games are just so hard to predict. Um, but, I mean, the, the Bears – I think the Bears should win the game. It's not to say that they're like vastly a better team than the Vikings by any means, but I just think that you know when you go back and you look historically at what the Bears have done against the Vikings at home at Soldier Field, they've been pretty good. Plus Kirk Cousins' numbers uh, against teams you know over 500, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Well, let's hope our next episode is uh, on a Bears three-game win streak going into London across the pond. Um, let's hope our predictions are more accurate than uh, our guest Ryan's. But Aaron, man, thanks again for joining me. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. Uh, you can read all my work on the BearReport.com and um, you know all that fun stuff. And you can follow me at at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report at at Bear Report. Read all of our coverage leading up in this week four showdown with the Vikings pre and post game. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done